You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. We are live on location in downtown Los Angeles. One more podcast episode before kickoff of the Rose Bowl, 5 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. out here local time, number eight, Utah, number 11, Penn State. We're just getting out of a press conference on a Sunday morning with both head coaches in this matchup, Kyle Whittingham on the Utah side, of course, James Franklin with the Nittany Lions. Bunch of content up at Lions247.com, full video of that press conference, a full transcript as well. And as we get settled in here now, we've seen a couple practices. Um, We we had our podcast on Thursday. We've learned a lot more about the team through media day, Mark. And I think what we've got on our hands is what should be a relatively sharp postseason contest in an era where those are not guaranteed in college football anymore. Yeah, not a lot of opt-outs. I mean, clearly today at the press conference here at the Sheraton Grand, a mutual admiration society, uh, to say the least. You can tell that these coaches uh, both have an awful lot of respect for each other. The two programs, I think, both have an awful lot of respect for each other. One thing that we've talked about as this whole thing has gone along is how much Utah is kind of like a Big Ten-type program. And you know, I think that actually sets up pretty well for Penn State because it's played a bunch of Big Ten programs. Several. Uh, but, but, yeah, just, the you know, I, I'll go back to, to to what we said on the last podcast. The the ability to get this caliber of opponent in this venue, uh, of all the different scenarios that could have unfolded for Penn State, there was talk of the Cotton Bowl, there's talk of the Citrus Bowl, or whatever it's called now. Uh, for this one to play out the way it did, I just think is 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 pretty cool. And, and you know, the other thing we had a chance to do yesterday, which I thought was great, was. Uh, they had media day, uh, the, the on-location media day, up in a tent. I don't know why they do that. It was in a tent at the Rose Bowl. I don't think they were in, they, they, they were counting on 50-degree weather and pouring <laughs> rain. Uh, but it was an, an excellent opportunity to talk to a bunch of the players, uh, including freshmen. But the vibe you got there, I mean, I think we've said it all along, the buy-in yeah. from Penn State to this game. I haven't had as much chance to, to be around – the Utah players, I know Daniel spent some time there. But from Penn State's perspective, the buy-in, I think, is tremendous. And I think that's going to show in the game tomorrow. It's been a few years since we felt this. I think you go back to where we were in, uh, in Dallas in 2019, December, when Micah was a sophomore and Journey Brown was on the rise. And you had a lot of young components on that yeah. roster. And 2020 blew a lot of those plans up. And then 2021 wasn't the season you thought it would be. And the, the team that we were introduced to down in Tampa last year was not the team that we covered during the season. Daniel, there are still a few you know, loose ends here as, as we work through. And a couple of veterans and their status were addressed by James Franklin here, uh, I guess, less than 36 hours from kickoff. Yeah, uh, Keevan Lee, the, the running back who hasn't played since October 15th at Michigan, uh, he will be available, uh, James Franklin said. We saw him out of practice at Dignity Health Sports Park in, uh, in Carson, and he you know, look, looks the part. He looks ready to go. 
Uh, and that gives Penn State three scholarship running backs, which, you know, at that position, we've talked about it so many times, the, the depth can disappear quickly. But in a little bit more prominent news, uh, Olu Fashinu, uh, the left tackle, will be a game-time decision, uh, according to James Franklin. He has not played since October 29th against Ohio State. Um, I caught up with him a little bit at media day yesterday, and you know, I asked him, you know, are you healthy? And he deferred to James Franklin, and then, you know, so I said, okay, so we'll find out if you're going to play on Monday. And he, he kind of laughed and said, yeah. So, um, you know, we haven't seen him. If he doesn't go, you know, Drew Shelton will likely start again at left tackle. Um, and you caught up with someone who is going to be, who might be available to, to help out there too. Yeah, I guess you consider this a game time decision. Franklin wasn't asked directly about Caden Wallace, but we spoke with Caden at media day on Saturday. Uh, he says he feels prepared to play in this matchup. He certainly has been a, a, a much more participant uh, in, in practice this this week that we've seen in, in, out in Southern California than what we witnessed in November. Caden, uh, unlike Olu, who we haven't seen practice since his injury in October, we've seen Caden in pads out in the print. Penn State practice facilities, trying to give it a go, trying to get in some of those late regular season matchups. That didn't happen. But uh, on on top of him maybe being available to contribute at right tackle, and he talked about dabbling a little bit at left tackle, working on some foot experiment things. And you're still going to be uh, hearing about Caden Wallace moving forward from Penn State. I think there's some people who thought like maybe out of sight, out of mind. Team, you know, the offensive line has evolved a lot in the second half of the season. He wasn't a part of that. He plans on being here as a year five contributor uh, in 2023. So a guy who went healthy has been your starting right tackle for the Nittany Lions since 2020, Mark. It's been a long time. So I think this, though, whether Caden comes back and reclaims a starting role and whether that happens in the Rose Bowl or whether that happens next spring or next August, there are a lot of names we continue to put in the category of coming back in the offensive line room. Hunter Norzad, Olu Fashionu. Caden Wallace. We still have to learn about Bryce Efner. We're about a week and a half away from Javen Williams, Anthony Donko, and Alex Birchmar. Landon Tengwall. <laughs> Come and, and Landon Tengwall told us, you know, I'll add that. You know, Saturday spoke with Landon Tengwall. Very, very, very optimistic that he's going to be able to go uh, come spring ball. He has missed the last six games of the regular season, had that pregame injury at, at Michigan. He was your starting left guard here for the first half of the season. And then uh, Nick Dawkins, who could be a very important component of this interior, playing some guard. Maybe he's the backup center next year with Drew Scruggs. Maybe he's the heir apparent. Or, I'm sorry, with Drew Scruggs leaving and Hunter Norzad stepping up. And Hunter's a one-and-done situation at center, so you need a future plan there. Dawkins also optimistic, I would say, maybe to a lesser degree than Landon Tengwall, that he'll be available when spring practice starts. But like I said, Mark, a lot of names that are returning, some adding, not many leaving. Yeah, Sal Warmly, right? Yeah. I mean, J.B. Walton. Uh, so it was funny because I was talking to Caden Wallace and I went through some of the names of guys coming back because I was saying, boy, you know, you guys <laughs> – you have a lot of talent coming back. And I named a couple guys and go, oh, yeah, you forgot about this. You forgot, you forgot about JB Walton. You forgot about Sal Nelson. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Yeah. JB Walton is old school. Uh, <laughs> people from uh, fight on state days. will get a kick out of that mention. Sorry. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, you know, I, I think you would have to probably go back to the mid nineties with the goon offensive line with Hardings and that group. I'm not saying this group is going to be that good, but when they had this much returning mm. talent, uh, guys who have played a lot of football, I mean, you know, you, you have a guy like uh, like Shelton now who who has played a lot of football. And then we haven't even, even mentioned uh, Venga, who right. had a chance to talk to him yesterday. I got to tell you, people, you know, I'm 6'4". I'm not a small human being. And I stood next to Venga, and I was like, holy bleep. 
He's a grown man. I could man. not believe. I mean, so, you sometimes you see somebody from afar, and they look kind of big. But this dude, I was, I was number one. I'm looking up to him, and you know, he tells me he's 339, and you would not guess that. You would guess he was like a 310 pound guy, but he he's massive, and I think his future. Uh, you know, number one, a super intelligent guy. You, I know you had a chance to talk to him during the recruiting process. Uh, but I just think all of those things with that offensive line, it's really trending. And, and why is that important? Because, listen, you know what you got at the skill positions, right? Most of them. You know you know what you have coming back at running back. You know what you have coming back at tight end, even though Strange is moving on. Wide receiver could be a little bit dicey, but you're going to have a first-year starting quarterback. And we all – think we know what the upside is for Drew Shelton, excuse me, um, but to be able to be playing in it behind a veteran offensive line that just, to me, even with all the injuries, got better and better as the season went along, I think that's going to be huge. And I think it's going to be a really nice test for them tomorrow in this in this game against, again, a, a Big Ten-style defense that is really going to smash you in the face, play tough physical ball. I think this is an excellent stepping stone to spring practice in the next season for that big, that front five. And a quick note on development, because you mentioned J.B. Nelson. He lost 30 pounds his first semester on campus, went from 330 to 300. Now he's up to 320, a different kind of weight. So yeah. it's been a big year for him. He took the red shirt. Um, he's a guy going to be factoring in at guard moving forward. Uh, and, and we talked about the depth pieces like a J.B., like Venga, um, uh, you know, there's a lot that like these freshmen that are coming in, but you've got six guys projected to return who have started at least five yeah, games now. That's, that's pretty remarkable. And that's with Juice Scruggs moving on. Um, so another thing that was available to us on Saturday was, you know, picking around a little bit, trying to see where guys stand for 2023 out here in Los Angeles. Not everybody has made their decision or if they have, they're not ready to share it with us right now. I think we're going to be really keeping a close eye Monday night into Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon for some of those postseason announcements. We're here Tuesday, by the way. Yeah, we're not leaving us, until Wednesday. Us we know. In the sky Tuesday. We learned. So, yeah, veteran approach there. But uh, uh, Daniel, one of the, the – a couple of the names that popped up here, Keaton Ellis, I feel like people probably just kind of forgot how he fits in. He started every game for this team this year. Yeah, Jalen well. Reed played more than him in terms of snap counts. Zaki Wheatley played essentially the same amount of snaps. But he was your starter there. And Keaton Ellis says leaning toward coming back to this team in 2023. A big part of that reasoning, fellas, he is a, a fourth-year guy, but he's only a second-year player in that safety room. And he feels like this is the first full year – where because of his health, he's been able to sink his teeth into it. He sees an opportunity to grow from that experience moving forward. And that's a room that, although you're losing a player that we all love, and Jair Brown, you want to talk about talent retainment. Uh, you've got K.J. Winston on the rise as a freshman that everyone says is a potential star. You've got Saki Wheelie and Jalen Reed, who have done some really good things for two seasons on campus. And then if Keaton Ellis is back, you're getting an important presence in that room and a guy who's played quite a bit of football. I don't think you, know, you could maybe look at him and say – He's not the big-time playmaker in this defense, but I don't think you can point to Keaton Ellis and label him any kind of a liability at this stage of his career. No, Keaton Ellis has just seemed very, very steady back there this year. I think that he's been very key in that rotation. I mean, the fact that you can go four deep at that safety position uh, this year is is really big, and he's been very steady. I think he showed some some pretty good instincts back there this year in terms of getting past breakups, you know, breaking on the ball. Um, he's not quite Zaki Wheatley when it comes to the turnovers, but – you know, I think getting Keaton Ellis back is just a very – it's just very good for that back end because you're going to lose Jair Brown um, a year after you lose Juan Briston. And, you know, we haven't seen kind of the the heir apparent in terms of leadership 
Um, but if Keaton Ellis can be a you know veteran presence back there, he's going to have so much experience if he comes back for this COVID year. Um, and I think that's just a, a boost back there, especially when it's a pretty young group. You know, with Jalen Reed, um, with with Zaki Wheatley, uh, with KJ Winston coming up, and then you have these freshmen coming in too. So I think Keaton Ellis can you know, step into a very important leadership role. You know, lean on this experience that he's got over these past four years. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a boost for A couple top 24-7 prospects joining that safety room come next summer in Dakari Nelson and King Mack. You could also see Lamont Payne play a role in that and that as an early enrollee coming to campus soon. Uh, and, and then, oh, by the way. I know where you're going. What's that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure you do. What do you What do you have for us? Well, there's a guy who used to play safety who ended up playing linebacker who we thought would oh, be. Oh, you knew where I was going. Yeah, I, yeah, they I were didn't know where you're right. going. Speaking of safeties, he's uh, one of yeah. your favorite players. He's so a big I, guy. I spotted Tyrese Mills uh, yes. sitting with the safety group, and Tyrese is a guy who we've had on this podcast a couple of times. He's another one of those great underdog kind of stories out of Lackawanna College. Didn't have the opportunities for one reason or another. Coming out of high school, ends up at Lackawanna, gets a little film, gets a Penn State offer, commits to Penn State. Now he's here. You've heard this story before, and you've heard it at. Safety, uh, but Tyrese Mills was getting work at Sam linebacker. They love the way he he works downhill. They love the way he can cover the run. And at six foot one, two hundred and five pound range, they wanted to see how he was a fit there. Unfortunately, in August, he was sidelined by an injury. We realized that when he popped up at Team Photo Day and crutch wearing uh, using crutches. He's off the crutches. He's been off them for a while, but he's still not back on the practice field. And it seems like he's not a done deal being a linebacker. He was with the safeties group. He said he expects to play both positions uh, a little bit here and there in the spring. So just a bit of an unresolved roster note there with Tyrese Mills. He could be an impact guy at the same position where we saw Jonathan Sutherland play a lot, Curtis Jacobs, uh, Don DeLuca, or maybe he's a part of that safety conversation. We have a lot of these notes, by the way, and we're not going to get to them all here in the podcast, but up at lines247.com. And there's a lot of stuff coming out of media day uh, out here when we had access to the full locker room for about a half hour that we're going to be utilizing for content and conversation stations here in the coming weeks something we got hit on though because we teased it so much earlier this week was the fact that it was the freshman free-for-all it was uh an opportunity to get our, our our faces and cameras and microphones in the faces of of these young members of the roster and naturally uh drew aller was a vocal point yeah and we have video of uh three of the the, the true freshmen we put significant amount of video i mean like five six minutes yeah drew, of, uh, drew, drew aller Singleton, and, and yeah. abdul and just so you can see how these guys carry themselves, all very intelligent guys, all carry themselves well, but all with kind of a little bit, little different kind of vibe. And Drew, to me, comes across as the quarterback, you know, very analytical, talking about every, you know, everything kind of in depth. Uh, he was very complimentary toward Sean Clifford, as you would expect him to be, about what a great leader he was and how much uh, all of the quarterbacks were able to learn. Uh, he was very comp complimentary of Christian Veyer. I'm not going to Veyu because he told his Veyer. I don't care what his dad said. You're only going to – we're done sw switching it. It's not Christian, our circuit yeah, anymore. Good, good luck to Christian. Yeah, good luck at Pitt. Uh, but I did think it was important that – to hear Drew say that, that you come into a situation and you end up passing a guy who's a, a year ahead of you, uh, and that could have been a really ugly situation. Yeah. And to Christian's credit – uh, and this is one of those things where a guy moved on, and, and I think everybody is rooting for him. You know, I don't know if you're rooting for Pitt, but I think you root for the kid. I think you do. Uh, but the fact that he was a, a very positive influence on Drew Aller and that Drew was able to, you know, uh, talk about that in a very eloquent way, uh, I thought was pretty cool. But just, you know, the way he carried himself, I, I was really impressed. I was impressed with the way all three guys carried themselves. I thought Singleton was a little bit more guarded. 
he was really choosing his words wisely. And Abdul Carter just was like, you could see this. They're like, oh, wow, this is pretty yeah. interesting. But it was funny because I got to ask Drew. It's you know, the last thing I asked him was, uh, you know, you haven't had a chance to talk to the media all year. So, so what was it finally like? He's like, I have never been in front of this many cameras <laughs> in my life. And this is a five-star kid. Yeah. I mean, this is a big-time recruit. Uh, but it's different. You know, a lot of people, a lot of reporters have issues with the fact that true freshmen aren't available. I really don't care. I mean, if that's the way the coaching staff wants to do it. And, you know, James Franklin made a good point at Disney, and he told us this uh, personally once, I think. I forget exactly where. But, you know, 95% of those kids are going to handle the situation really well. But you worry about the 5% who don't. And if you get them in front of a camera too soon and they say the wrong thing, in this day and age, it's going to blow up. So I, I have really I didn't have a problem when Paterno did it. I, di I didn't I don't have a problem now. And it makes these instances that much cooler. And then I think the other goal, good thing that Penn State does, it'll make all these freshmen available. Is it right after spring practice or was it before? Typically, I've, we've gotten these guys in like the May following their, yeah. their freshman year. But then it the makes it. Group. Yeah. And I think it makes it that much better. You know, it, that that's that much more fun. I think the first year they did that, it was with Micah and that whole group. Yeah. Jesse and uh, Friermuth. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, OA. I yeah. mean, so it was a, that was a hell of a class to do it with. And this is going to be kind of the same thing because you had guys, you even had more guys who made an impact as a true freshman. But it was fun talking to them. To them and you could really see where uh, Drew Aller is a, a real kind of leader already of that group. 10 burn red shirts from this freshman class. Honestly, they could have burned others if there were roster needs. And, and there's a lot to like about this being part of your foundation moving forward. It's a lot why the optimism is on the rise uh, for Penn State football. Daniel, did you have any particular takeaways from any of your interactions with freshmen? Just a reminder, again, full video, uh, pretty lengthy discussion with Nick Singleton, Abdul Carter, Andrew Aller, all over at lines247.com. But anything, anything else? No, I, I really liked Drew's confidence. I mean, you know he's the quarterback, and you know that that's kind of how he carries himself. But, you know, to actually see it, to actually talk to him about it, um, I, I was pretty struck by that because, like you said, someone like Nick Singleton was pretty guarded. Um, Abdul Carter seemed a little starstruck. I talked to Jerry Cross. I talked to Drew Shelton as well, and they were both, you know, sticking to company line a little bit um, and, you know, seemed, you know, not overwhelmed, but they were really taking everything in. But I thought that Drew was spoke with a lot of authority. Um, and I thought that he was really confident in everything that he was saying, especially when it came to Sean. Um, you know, I thought that he was, you know, he, he talked about the, the noise and tuning it out. And he said that it just was not a question because that, you know, and he said, no one knows what they go through behind the scenes. No one, no one really sees a lot of the work that they put in. Um, which is why he had all the confidence in Sean. But I thought that uh, I thought that Drew's kind of that confidence. You know, we've heard a lot about him becoming more vocal um, and more confident in the huddle, and I think I could kind of see that from him, from talking to him for a little bit yesterday. And a couple of things on Drew. This wasn't a guy who stepped foot on in high school and was handed the the starting quarterback job as a freshman. Sometimes that happens with eventual five star quarterbacks. He took some time. He earned the job. He also was a three star prospect when Mike Kiersich offered him. We know him as the number one quarterback in the country at 24-7 sports, but he didn't go through the media ringer that a lot of these guys who yeah. emerge as freshmen or sophomores at the high school level, and they're like no doubt about it, five stars, and they've got 36 scholarships offers before their first snap of their junior season. A little bit of a different <clears throat> process, so Drew's a little bit late to the party of getting in front of the, us, but he better get used to it because this is 46 starts, and that's it 
for Sean Clifford and, and Drew Aller as QB1, as we all anticipate, uh, is going to get used to that kind of a swarm. And, and Nick Singleton, I'll say this for him, he's been consistent. He's not a guy who's like talking about himself very much throughout the process. Caught up with him right before, right after he got named Gatorade Player of the Year, and very little about why he did it and how he got it. It was more about the guys, who, the people who helped him get there, and what he wanted to do next. So Singleton is a guy that, if you're watching the, the video this time or, or in the future, don't expect him to be banging his chest and talking about how great he is. And I think that's kind of a nice, probably a nice, refreshing uh, aspect and perspective for a lot of people who don't get know much about Singleton. I'm looking. One ahead. other thing, though, yeah. Tyler, and I'm sorry to sure. interrupt, but. Uh, I was also struck by Singleton talking about his uh, his relationship with Catron Allen mm. and Catron uh, kind of the same way. Catron is isn't nearly as open as any of those guys. He just isn't. That's not what he yeah. what he does, and that's fine. I mean, it's different people handle media stuff different ways. Uh, perfectly fine when he's talking, but it's obviously not the most comfortable situation for him. But for both of those guys to talk about what it meant to be kind of in the same room, uh, you know, with one another. Uh, they're friends. They're they're close friends off the field, which I think is very important if you hope to keep both of those guys, yeah. you know, for, for the next several years until they get to whatever level uh, they need to get. And then the other thing about Singleton, you know, you're right. It's like when you're talking to him, you can you can see the wheels. Like he wants, he's very careful in 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 the things he said. Uh, but he was very complimentary, Kevon Lee, because Kevon was banged up, uh, did not have much of an opportunity to play uh, late in the season. But he was still at every game. He was still um, a leader in that room. And I think that was very important because you have these young guys. And obviously, you know, I think we know how good of a coach J1 Sider is. But it's one thing to, to get the leadership from the coach. Mm -hmm. I think it's also important when you have two talents like that uh, to get it from a guy like Kevon Lee. And, and frankly, to get it from a guy like Tank Smith, who's been in that room. He's a walk-on. Uh, but, you know, setting the tone, letting these guys know what's right and kind of what's wrong. And, and I thought that part of it was uh, was pretty cool. And one last thing on, on Venga. Uh, I had a chance to ask him what it meant because Venga uh, still – he'll probably play in, in the Rose Bowl because he has eligibility. He can play without burning his red shirt. And everybody uh, can now in the Bulls system. Right, right, right. Yeah. But either way, I think you're right. He he got a couple series at right guard against Michigan State. He's a guy I think they want to see more of. Right, but more, but more to the point, he uh, he traveled to every away game, mm -hmm. and I, I think that's big for some of these young players. Who Bo you know, by the way, did that. Didn't yeah. play once, but he was on that road. Right, and but I, I just think you know if you're going to be relying on these guys next year you want them to be in a comfort zone because that's not an easy thing. I mean, yeah. you're going from, you know, you're busting around, you're flying, you're doing all these things that maybe you never had done before for a game. I mean, all these guys have flown places, uh, but flying for a game and, you know, doing all this stuff at the team hotel, I think, and he was like, yeah, that was really, really helpful to be able to go through that process. And Venga also repped with the quote unquote varsity all year. He wasn't on the foreign team. Uh, so those are some of the little tidbits that sometimes you don't really think about. Yeah, but I think are, are really important for the young guys. Someone you mentioned, and we got a quick note on him, Kevon Lee um, was asked yesterday, does he plan on being a part of this running back room again in 2023? He said, quote, that's the plan. But that was about as definitive as he got because he gave a few other answers that certainly made it seem like he had some things to think about. But you think about the fact that London Montgomery's coming off of a knee injury that, that dashed out his senior year of high school as one of your signees. 
Uh, you, you got Cam Wallace coming up from Georgia, who you signed late in the process, but neither of them are going to be on campus for spring ball. I think the last thing you want to do is to work your way and still have two available scholarship running backs. So we know Kevon's available. I said this on the last podcast. Would not surprise me in the least bit if he comes up with a play that's very pivotal over the course Agreed. of this evening. It may, he may get three, four, five touches at most over the course of this matchup, but I'm not ruling out Kevon Lee to be an impact player on Monday night. Uh, but with Kevon coming back, and 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 there's not a lot, I guess, at this point. Can you talk us through what we're still waiting for? Bryce Hunter is the one guy we were curious about that we still don't have the clarification. But Curtis, maybe Theo, uh, uh, kind of bring our listeners up to speed Adisa. on Edisa, and, and people are saying Theo, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the the line of questioning came up with with Theo Johnson about you know, are you thinking about the NFL? Um, you know, is that a decision you have to make? Um, he said that it's something that he's waiting until after the Rose Bowl uh, to make a decision on. Um, at the same time, he was also talking a lot about, especially when at answering questions about Drew Aller and kind of what Drew's potential is. He sounded like someone who will be back next year. Mm-hmm. But six foot six, two hundred sixty pounds, athletic, gonna test well in shorts. Like that's someone with an NFL future and. A great personality, a yeah. very likable young man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of our more, I think, honest interviews um, on, on the Penn State roster. But, you know, Theo said that he'll make the decision later. Curtis Jacobs, uh, same boat. Adisa Isaac, same thing. Um, you know, we saw some of these announcements in, in the lead-up. Bretton Strange announced once they were out here. Um, but it seems like, as opposed to last year, where it was just every single day, <laughs> I know, coming back for a sixth year, transferring in, uh, leaving, opting out. Um, it seems like that there's going to be quite the cascade um, the, the day after. But, you know, there, there are some guys, you know, we didn't get a chance to catch up with Johnny Nixon yesterday. You know, there's there's a lot of guys that have decisions to make, which is really interesting from a roster, construct, roster construction perspective and also just from a talent perspective. You know, this Penn State roster is very talented as it stands right now. Um, but there is going to be some attrition. There does have to be some settling. Um, and I think that the guys that we just talked about, you know, Curtis Jacobs and Issa Isaac, Theo Johnson, they could be foundational pieces next year. Hey, Absolutely. and just so our viewers and listeners know, when, when we talk about the entire team being available at this media day, it was literally the entire team. Yeah. So it was very difficult to it get was a half to hour. all 120 <laughs> yeah. people in, 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 uh, in 30 minutes, plus coaches, plus Franklin. Yeah. Uh, Especially that teammates, though. It helps yeah, the process. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that thing used to be an hour, and I don't know why they cut it back because I think it's just a good opportunity. You know, when you make it 30 minutes, you really have to just ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. There's no time to just BS a little bit. Mm-hmm. And not, not BS isn't the right word. We don't want to waste the time of people by just BSing with them. But sometimes it's nice to talk when you're not asking a question. Yeah. You know, maybe ask something – not necessarily off the record, but more as a less formal interview type thing and, and more of just, you know, shooting the breeze. Yeah. Uh, but they limit it to 30 minutes. And uh, I think we made the most of it. But there are a couple guys that we didn't get to that, uh, you know, we'll have to catch up with later. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Our understanding is, and you know, how this game goes Monday is going to dictate a lot of what our priorities are in the post-game locker room setting. But there will be an open locker room, so there may be a chance to circle back with some of these guys that otherwise we won't have access till the spring. And we all live in Happy Valley, so there will be opportunities to to, to speak yeah. with these guys again. But we're going to enter a well-deserved break, I think, for both parties, where we don't talk for just a little bit and then we'll recircle. Um, I feel bad for the coaches though, because it, it was they pointed don't get out to me no, they that they have breaks. a they have an official visit weekend. <laughs> the, the, the day they get back, they have to start preparing for yeah, junior days and all that yeah, tyler calvaruzzo so. if you're listening get to work um but but as we maintain focus on monday and, and what's waiting in this matchup guys um we just mentioned a ton of players but when you specifically talk about the way it could go in that 60 minute span who are you watching on the field daniel i mean i think i have to go to nick singleton i think that's kind of where my mind goes you think about 2016 saquon barkley on this kind of stage um, you know, really introducing himself to the nation. Um, I think that Nick Singleton is someone who, when we come out of Monday, no matter what happens in the game, win or lose, I think Nick Singleton is going to be someone where everyone is talking about him. A lot of people learn who he is. Um, and I think that he is someone who, and he just has that potential to be a game-changing player, that anytime the ball is in his hands, it can be a touchdown. Um, there aren't many players like that on the roster. Um, I think that he's someone who can really come up in a big spot for Penn State. Where are you at? With uh, We'll stay with offense. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Sean Clifford for me. I mean, against this defense. One last time, yeah, maybe. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. he's going to have to make quick decisions. He's going to have to make good decisions. And, and I think that is going to be the key to being able to score against this defense. I mean, you need a quarterback who is playing at a very high level, who's doing good things. And that's what we've seen against teams who have played well uh, Oregon played well against this team. USC, before Williams got banged up, uh, was playing well. And I just think, you know, I don't want to put um, too much pressure on Sean Clifford, but it's his last game. He's 35 years old. Uh, he has to make really good decisions because he has the O-line. He has the skilled players around them, you know, even, even though you don't have Parker Washington. Uh, but I think the talent is there that he just has to get up to that line of scrimmage and make the right decisions. And I, and I, I, I think it's all really riding. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I am going to, it's all riding on you, Sean Clifford. Yeah. I mean, reaching that bag of trips, tricks one more time, all the stuff he does pre-snap and, and that we hear about that's going to have to be exhibited. And this is his chance to, to beat a quality opponent. I mean, what, he, he hasn't stacked a bunch of those up. Yeah, what, what is, what does it do for, for them and for Sean specifically, as he moves on to whatever awaits him, if they win this game and he is a primary reason why they win this game, do you think as we get a little more distance from the Clifford era, that changes things? Yeah, I mean, I think I still think we're kind of looking for that signature win that he's had, right? And this would be the signature win. I mean, this is a, a legitimate top 10 opponent, and for him to play well, and that's why I'm saying it's big. It's big for him. It's big for the team. Uh, you know, there's no doubt that he's going to go down as the, you know, this guy with all these records and all this other stuff. But what was the thing that separated Trace McSorley from, from other quarterbacks? What was the thing that separated Kerry Collins? What was the thing that separated John Schaefer, who was not a great 
uh, quarterback in terms of posting numbers, but the guy won every game but one and against big-time opponents. And that's this is what Sean Clifford needs to cement his legacy. Uh, is he going to go down as one of the top five quarterbacks in Penn State history? I don't think so. And that's not a knock on Sean. I just think there have been better players out there who, had they played six years, would have had similar, if not better, numbers. But I just think it's important for him, it's important for the team to come through that, that he is one of the keys to, 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 to winning this game. A lot of times this season we've said – Sean Clifford just has to kind of stay out of the way, not make mistakes. Well, now, now's your time to shine, Sean Clifford, because against this defense, you're going to have to make quick decisions. You're going to have to make good decisions. You're going to have to not make mistakes, and that's going to be the key for Penn State winning, one of the keys. And last time I saw this defense, they were banging up the, the eventual Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. So, uh, look, Sean Clifford in the spotlight. I'm going to go with another senior in this offense and a guy that Sean, I assume, will be looking to quite a bit, one of his housemates, Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, I spent some time on the podcast that we produced on Thursday, sending a little bit of love in his direction because going from the zero offer high school senior to where he is as a college senior, wide receiver one right now for, for Penn State in the Rose Bowl. That is a major leap. And uh, no Parker Washington. That was the case the last few weeks. We saw them lean on the tight ends. We saw them certainly lean on the ground game, which they've been able to do effectively. To me, I still think the bedrock of this offense will be the ground game in this matchup if they're going to find that balance, find that success. But Mitchell Tinsley is the guy I'm looking to on those third and eight situations uh, near the goal line as well. I just am envisioning a strong performance for him, win, lose, or draw for Penn State because I feel like uh, I feel like he's just prepared for this moment. And I ultimately believe I just don't have that confidence in the receiver group right now to point to other guys who are going to make those kind of plays. I think Keandre Lambert-Smith you have a level of confidence in, but this is a big stage for him. This is a feels like a really kind of a pivot point maybe in his career, finishing his third year on campus. Mitchell Tinsley, I feel like the, while the volume of targets hasn't been there, certainly like it was at, at Western Kentucky, but he has maximized those moments. And since game one against Purdue in key moments, I don't know if you guys noticed this, Sean looks in his direction. and you know, Maybe it's a number five jersey thing, but those two have really built that rapport. I think it's going to pay off in a big way. And, and it would be a very cool story if it does come to fruition that Mitchell Tinsley comes out and maybe puts together his best performance in a Penn State uniform in this kind of a setting. Defensively, Daniel, this is a, a, a Utah team like Penn State missing their leading receiver. Tight end Dalton Kincaid was, was injured and decided that it's going to be a wrap on his college career. What are you looking at defensively where Penn State's missing an All-American and cornerback Joey Porter? I'm going to look up front on DJ Mustafer uh, on the interior of that defensive line. Um, you know, Utah running back Tavion Thomas got hurt in November and also called it called it a wrap on his career, uh, which leaves Makai Bernard as, as the next man up there. Um, and this Utah reputation is just being a physical team, tough-nosed team, and I think that that starts in the trenches, and I think you just have to look to DJ Mustafer. Fifth-year senior, final game. Um, you know that this means a lot to him. Uh, I thought that he had a very good year, quite statistically, but he was someone who was just in the middle, making things happen for the guys around him. Um, you know, this month of uh, practice means that he is a, another kind of month removed from that injury. So you can only assume that he's stronger, you know, than he was earlier in the year. And I think that he's ready to go. I think just when you look in the trenches. Pretty much all starts with PJ uh, for Penn State, and I think he's someone who can have a really, really big game. Friday night, Chef PJ was at the Lowry's Beef Bowl cutting up prime rib. We'll see how he fares against the Utes. What do you got defensively? I will go with another guy who missed the 2021 season, and it looked like it took him a little while to get moving uh, the, back to full speed, Adisa Isaac. 
Um, this is a big game for him too. And, you know, he says that he thinks he has this, a decision to make uh, after this game. I think he's got to put more on tape. Uh, if, if he decide, decides that he wants to make that move uh, to the next level, and I think this is a great opportunity. You look at, you know, when, and when people talk about the Utah offense, who is the guy they're talking about constantly? Cam Rising, the quarterback. You know, when he's played well, that played well. Mm -hmm. And I think to be able to pressure him uh, is going to be really, really key. And to be able to do it with your defensive ends and not having to blitz constantly, I think will be important because he's a very good decision maker. Uh, has been good at beating the blitz. So I think if Adisa Isaac is able to put it all together, he got better and better as the season went along. And I just wonder, you know, similar to what Daniel said, you take you take an extra month away from that injury that cost him an entire year, and how much is that going to help him? So I think he views this as a really big game for himself to continue to prove that he's back from that injury and to continue to prove that he can live up to the the, the hype that a lot of us put on him for good reasons because he's a you know he's a physical freak. Uh, so I think Adisa Isaac big game for him, and I think he's going to have a big game. You can go in so many different directions here. I, feel, I mean, Jair Brown deserves attention every game. Um, Abdul Carter, what a showcase moment for him, like you yeah. said, with Singleton. Uh, I'm going to go with Kalen King, though, because all due respect to our alma maters, that, that, that Penn State faced at the end of the season, and also Michigan State, Kalen King is now facing a much different situation as the cornerback for this team than he did in November with Joey Porter's sideline against some of the inferior opponents on the Big Ten schedule for the Nittany Lions. And now you're playing Cameron Rising, who has had some low moments in his career not too long ago against Oregon. He had a bit of a clunker. But the last couple of weeks, last couple of games, six touchdowns, no picks, completing a very high percentage of his passes. Uh, people around this Utah program – Love the quarterback play they're getting out of Cam Rising. Yeah. Love his stuff. So, to me, you want to avoid confidence being built up along the way in Pasadena. He's a guy that if he gets to halftime and he's got confidence in his pocket, it could be a problem for you defensively. And Kalen King is a great way to maybe throw some cold water on some of that, that, that hot streak he's bringing to this matchup. We know he led the, the nation in pass breakups during the season, but to me, this is going to be more about can he shut down a quadrant of the field? Is there enough – in game planning that Utah sees on film where they say, you know what, screw it, we're staying away from this guy because that's what Joey Porter did for you. People look at the stats and they say, is he really a defensive MVP kind of guy? He didn't have an interception. Look at how many opportunities he had to, to be around the football right. period. Even Ohio State with, with their stellar offensive attack shied away from him with consistency. So he's out of the equation. You're playing a legitimate quarterback and an offense with weapons. So to me, Kalen King can come out of this either looking a little bit exposed and a guy that maybe, well, can he be the next Joey Porter Jr.? Or he solidifies himself and says, if Joey Porter isn't the, the best modern quarterback here at Penn State, then it might just be Kalen King. So that's where I am defensively. And it's prediction time. It's our last chance to do it all season long. And going back to our season predictions, a reminder, Eight and four, correct? Nine and yep. three, nine and three. Um, so they've already exceeded our expectations. Looking for an 11th win for the fourth time in a seven-year span under James Franklin. And let's begin with you, Daniel. Yeah, that, that Purdue pick was a long time ago. For long me. time ago. Um, it's an albatross. <laughs> it, it truly is. Um, no, I think that looking at this matchup, I just feel really good about Penn State. Maybe the best that I felt about them. Um, I think at any point this year, obviously that schedule down the stretch was, you know, pretty soft, but I think they did what they needed to do against the bad teams on their schedule. Um, and so, you know, I really like what Penn State is bringing to this game. Um, I also really like Utah. That Pac-12 championship game was 
the, you know, the most extensive that I watched them this year, you know, because West Coast and, and Saturdays. But, you know, I like what they bring, and they seem to be in a similar place, too, in terms of just feeling very good about where they are, you know, really confident. So I'm expecting a, a pretty close game. Um, I went with Penn State 28, Utah 24 um, in our picks, and I think you know, I think this is going to be a Nick Singleton game, 160 yards, two touchdowns, uh, household name by uh, Tuesday morning. Beautiful. Well, uh, last check, by the way, the, that line is hovering somewhere around two points in favor of Utah. Utah has been a slight favorite since this line opened, uh, and it stayed that way despite some of the opt-outs, some of the injury updates. And Mark, where do you land on this? Yeah, uh, listen, I think the fact that so many guys have opted into this game, mm -hmm. uh, I just think that bodes so well for Penn State. You know, whether it's guys who uh, are in their final year of eligibility like PJ and Tig, uh, or whether it's guys who have declared for the draft like Strange, uh, the fact that they're here, I don't think they're here. I don't think they're in it unless they're in it to win it. I mean, I think they're – they're, the motivation is there. There is such a different vibe around this team now than there was prior to the outbound last year. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's palpable. I mean, you could just kind of feel it's it. It's much so, more fun to write and talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, just, uh, you know, whether it was media day, uh, whether it was the, the the last event they did here or the multiple events they did here at the, uh, at the media hotel, you just get to feel that there's a, there's a buy-in. And, and, and I think that's going to be really key. Uh, Utah, obviously a very good team, but I think ultimately Penn State's going to have a little bit too much. I'm picking it 34 to 30, the Nittany Lions. And I'm going to give my bold prediction too, because Daniel forgot to give his. Oh, he did. Oh, he did. said Singleton. Oh, so Singleton that's your bold right? prediction? Yeah. Well, that's really not that bold. <laughs> my bold prediction is a little bit more precise. I think there's going to be a Penn State running back that catches a touchdown pass, whether it's a screen, whether it's a wheel route. We go back to talking about Sean Clifford making quick decisions. You know, maybe he makes an audible at the line, sees a blitz coming, and is able to use one of those two running backs, or three with Kevon, or four with Tank. Uh, but I think one of those guys is going to score a, a, a receiving touchdown. That wasn't a huge part of the Penn State offense this year. And I think a lot of times we've seen in bowls where – they will go against trends and show you some stuff that you haven't seen. So I think at least one Penn State running back catches a touchdown pass. All right. Um, and and so I'm leaning into where you guys are at in terms of what we have felt, what we've heard, what we've experienced out here in Pasadena and really going back to, to the local Bowl Media Day at Beaver Stadium a couple of weeks ago. This is the opt-in bowl because uh, we wondered if it would ever look the same for Penn State after last year unless they were in the playoff. Is this the new norm? It wasn't this year, and ultimately, I, I can't say that Utah doesn't have a close-knit locker room, but I feel like they are doing things with a purpose right now, and you get to a lot of rudderless situations in college football when you're not in the college football playoff conversation. You're on the road. You're at a great destination. You're enjoying the moment, whether you win or lose, whatever. This feels important. It feels personal, and all that aside, I think Penn State healthy. They're getting supplemental pieces, which is unheard of right now. You're not yeah. supposed to add pieces in December. It's ridiculous. And so they're doing that right now. And I just feel like a lot of things are pointing toward the Nittany Lions being able to, to weather some storms of adversity they might face against Utah and be able to come out the other side. Curious about Jake Pinnegar. Because like all of you, like you guys, and like many of our colleagues, I feel like, and like Las Vegas, I feel like this one is going to be hanging in the balance. I think we're going to be on the seesaw with with lead changes. And if it comes down to a two or one point deficit 
and you've got the ball with two minutes to work and you've got Jake Pinnegar warming up on the sidelines, what's the confidence level out there for a guy who might be trying his final field goal in a Nittany Lions uniform here in year five? So I think that's certainly at the crux of the conversation. But I'm going to say Penn State pulls it out, uh, wins by three, 30 to 27 uh, was my pick. My, my, I guess, bold prediction was that Mitchell Tinsley would have the best game of his Penn State career. But since I mentioned that earlier, uh, I'll go ahead and say that on a night when, you know, focuses on PJ wrapping up his career and Adiza Isaac and what's he going to do and Nick Tarburton's farewell moment as well. I think Chop Robinson's going to remind people why they should be really excited about the 2023 plans that are cooking at, on defense. I'm going to say multiple tackles behind the line of scrimmage, at least one sack on the day uh, and say that he finishes his season on a high note. That's probably not all that bold, but I just feel like you're going to finish the season with a guy who was on supposed to be on the field in the spring for Maryland. And if he's taking down Cam Rising in a key moment for you in the Rose Bowl that same year, that is a home run hell of a pickup uh, by the Penn State coaching staff. Anything else to add? Because we're coming back to, to, to talk after the action in Pasadena. By then, the book will be closed on this season. We'll have a lot to discuss rolling forward. But before we get there, you want to make any other bold predictions, make yourself look stupid potentially, or just share any kind of tidbits from what we've experienced out here in Southern California. No, I think that it was great to really talk with the team yesterday. And I think that that kind of added an, an extra element of excitement to you know, talk to them about what it's like to be here and, and kind of see their excitement. I think that's something that, you know, kind of resonated with me. And, you know, we're out here for a couple of days doing the work. Um, the game can seem pretty far away, but it's tomorrow. And I think we're, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Media Day, by the way, was out in Pasadena. It was a rainy day, but we got our first glimpse, at least my first glimpse. You've been there a few times, but of the Rose Bowl. And you start to sense the magnitude as you look around the setting. We've all seen it on TV a bunch of times. Looking forward to experiencing it for myself. Mark, any, anything else to add out there before we close up? Yeah, if you're wondering what this is, Daniel and I have ours. Tyler doesn't have his. This is the ticket to the free beer room for the media. <laughs> but uh, now, in all seriousness, uh, just a shout out to the Rose Bowl people. The hospitality here has been unbelievable. Uh, they take very good care of the media. They had a great event at an at a ancient bowling alley yeah, last cool. night. Uh, and, and it's great. It's been great to spend time with these guys and with everybody else in the beat. Penn State beats very close knit. Uh, guys who, uh, guys and women who are our competitors, but they're our peers. And this is a great time to kind of, you know, meet up with everybody and, and have some fun at night, but do a lot of work. Uh, but a shout out to the Rose Bowl for having a great setup, a great hospitality situation, and uh, just very thankful to be able to work with all the great people on the beat that we're able to work with. Absolutely. I'll echo all those sentiments. And then we are taking the shuttle bus back over uh, to Pasadena. I hear there may be uh, some this police escort situation for oh, us, yeah. which is always appreciated with the L.A. traffic. But uh, so we'll be on full coverage all day Monday. Uh, Rose Bowl kicks off again 5 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. local time here out in Southern California. And whatever happens, we'll have all of the commentary uh, here on the podcast, a bunch on the site, lines247.com. And in the days and weeks coming out of this, we have so much to get to as this roster changes. So stick with us here on the podcast. We'll be back with you late Monday evening. And for some of you, maybe on Tuesday morning when you pick up your phones or wherever you find your podcast. But on behalf of Daniel and Mark Brennan, thanks for following our coverage here uh, for the Rose Bowl. We'll talk to you soon. Penn State, Utah, kickoff very soon. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. Drag queens save the world.
RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.